success, it has been said, is not the absence of failure, but going from failure to failure without any loss of enthusiasm. This podcast was created to discuss the correlation between short-term failures and future success by those who have pushed themselves to become real powerhouses. Michael Jordan said, to learn to succeed, you must first learn to fail. And Mike Tyson said, discipline is doing what you hate to do, but nonetheless doing it like you love it. On this podcast, we celebrate those who were not afraid to fail by taking disciplined action on their path to success. My name is BJ Gramillion, and I am the host of the Real Powerhouse Podcast. I am someone who is very familiar with failure and am fascinated by others' imperfect journey to success. Welcome to the Real Powerhouse Podcast. What's going on, everyone? This is the Real Powerhouse Podcast. I'm your host, BJ Gramillion, and today... Um, I'm just going to talk to you guys for a little bit and share some of the thoughts that I have uh, surrounding the real estate market. And um, reason being, uh, one, I've been meaning to um, you know be active on social media, but man, I tell you what, it's been just a crazy, crazy couple of months I'm trying to get everything kind of up off the ground here in Chattanooga and running smoothly. And really we've been focusing on, we've had a lot of growth, a lot of new properties. And so the focus really has been on our uh, project management side of things as well as our property management. And so um, it's been hectic and crazy, uh, but I do like to come on every once in a while. I feel like this is probably the best way for me just to share um, what I'm what I'm seeing. Uh, what I'm reading, what my thoughts are around the real estate market. And the reason being is I've, I've heard several people recently that I uh, know and respect and uh, really smart people in the industry um, reach out on social media and they're basically calling it. Uh, and so I don't know necessarily what that means, but they are um, basically coming out and saying, Hey, look, um, I'm sure I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this, but I'm gonna call it. So um, let's dive into, I guess, what that means because by them saying that you know they feel that there's a crash coming, it could obviously mean a lot of things. I think the most important thing for people to realize, and this is where I feel so many people get um, stuck or hung up when it comes to the real estate market, is they think that what happened in 2008 will happen again. And so I think it's incredibly important that everyone understand that every single market crash is unique. So you will never see 2008 again, period. Just get that out of your head and forget about it. Um, it everything about 2008 was very different than what we're looking at you know, in 2023. Will a market crash occur? I don't know. Will uh, there be a correction in the economy? Absolutely. When will that happen? No idea. Um, anyone that gets out there and they make these big bull predictions, you know, typically fall flat on their face, especially these YouTubers. Um, I don't know if you guys have been following this or not, but people have, on, have been on YouTube and claiming that there's going to be this next crash for honestly the last six years, probably. Um, there was shadow inventory, you know, then obviously COVID occurred and then, you know, it's gotta be right after COVID, you know, that was a nice little, uh, bump, but you know, then I'm sure something else is going to happen. And then Airbnb bust, and, you know, there's so many things that people have tried to predict. And then of course, recently it was the mortgage uh, interest rates. Um, and they're thinking, okay, this is it. And, and I mean, look, 
I get it. I understand why there would be fear and a cause for concern, but you know, it's, it's just interesting. You know, I was reminded recently on Netflix, there's the big short. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. Um, but the, the main character in that is based off a, you know, true story, but, um, I was reading up about him and it's so funny because he, he did, he, he predicted the, the crash of 2008, right? What people don't know though, is he's also predicted, I think six different times since then he's predicted another crash. And recently he came out again and said that it's coming, but you know what? You kind of lose like credibility after you're wrong over and over and over again. But it's funny, all of us just remember that one time that he was right. And so he gets this, you know, spotlight on him, which I'm sure he probably doesn't enjoy the spotlight. Maybe he does. Um, but I mean, he's been wrong so many times that it gets to that point where the broken clock, you know, comes into play where, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure he's going to be right one of these times. You just keep on predicting it every year. And I'm sure that he's going to be right one of these times and everyone's going to say it's a genius. Um, so rather than me sit here and predict the market and tell you guys what's going to happen and have this doom and gloom, I think it's just smart to look at what do we know and yeah, like if we can look at just what the facts are, I'm, I'm sure that all of us can draw our own conclusion and kind of figure out what to do. But um, anyone that's going to predict mortgage interest rates or interest rates, period, um, that's a fool's game. No one's going to win that. Um, you know, smart people like Warren Buffett, they don't predict the market. They just are in it, you know, consistently. That's all there is to it. And so which does actually remind me, I listened to a podcast recently. Um, so I come from the financial um, advising world. I, I was with Edward Jones when I got out of college and I was a financial advisor. And so I was in that space for a while. Um, and one of the concepts that I would you know, preach all the time to people was dollar cost averaging. Um, so for those of you that don't know what dollar cost averaging is, basically it's just um, if you were to invest you know, consistently every single month, let's say a thousand dollars every month, no matter what into some mutual fund or, you know, follow the S and P 500, whatever you want to do, do some index fund. If you just were to consistently invest your money, you're going to hit some highs, some lows, some averages. And so, but over time, the idea is, Hey, if you do that consistently, you always come out ahead. It's just, it's the law of averages. It always ends up working in your favor. And so, um, it's funny though, I've never really, I guess, applied that to real estate um, until now where it just kind of dawned on me where it's it's like, hey, look, something that I've realized, you know, what I've been doing um, out here in, in Tennessee has been, look, again, I don't know where the market's going to go. Some people think it's, it's going to take off. Other people think that, you know, it's going to crash and burn. I don't know. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with mortgage interest rates either. Like all that stuff, couldn't tell you. What I do know, though, is I'm going to hit on a few and some of them will be singles. Some of them will be doubles. I'll hit some homers. And then, you know, the idea is to not have that many strikeouts, you know, but they will occur. And and so you just got to be OK with that. Um, and trust me, you know, the last year I've had plenty of strikeouts and 2022 was brutal. Right. Um, but we made it through it. Um, we just consistently continued to invest just like anyone would with their 401k, you know, some years are up, some are down. Um, you just got to keep on going. And so that's something that I've learned 
um, in real estate as well is, is just be consistent. Like if you're every single year trying to buy one new property, add that to your portfolio, then find a way to save up money and do it again and again. It's amazing the compound interest effect that it really does have. And so uh, something to think about for people that are like, man, is it a good time to invest? Is it, I don't know. You know, it's it all depends on what is your definition of what is a good time to invest? Couldn't tell you. Um, but what I do know is, is that over time, real estate, even if you bought in 2006 or 2007, right before the crash, and you were feeling horrible about that for about five, six, seven, ten years, until you weren't until now and now i'm sure that it's worth double or triple what you at the time thought was a horrible investment and uh so you know it's it's the same thing today we bought a home in knoxville overpaid absolutely overpaid for it i have no doubt about it uh interest rates brutal it's um you know we did a buy down on it a 2-1 buy down which basically um instead of us being at 6.9 percent, i think is what it was we're at 4.9 percent for the first year hoping that the interest rates will come down a little bit you know and so if we get somewhere in the fives we'll probably refinance before year three where it goes all the way back up to 6.9 um, and so, you know, e even with, with that scenario, I keep telling myself, Hey, um, not everything is an investment first of all. So it is our residents, our personal residents. And so I don't always have to make money on every real estate deal. Um, there can be, you know, school districts and church, those kind of things do play a factor, believe it or not. Um, but it's also, you know, just something to, to consider that, Hey, I might think that right now I'm overpaying. And to be honest with you guys, I honestly can say that I feel like I overpay for just about every deal that I buy. Um, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, I could have got that for a little bit less. You know, I could have maybe bought that for 10,000 less or whatever the case would be. And it's funny because then every time I go to sell it, and I'm sure that that buyer thinks the same thing. And it's just the cycle that goes on. But, you know, it, it, remains to be the case, you know, throughout time is just wait, you know, a bad investment in real estate, almost always, as long as you're not in a horrible war zone or bad area location that will kill you. Um, maybe literally, but you know, in this case, financially, is what I'm talking about, but don't buy in bad areas, uh, cause you can't really survive when you do that. Um, uh, trust me, I've done that. And so you just got to be careful about where you buy. But as long as you're buying in the right area, um, give it time uh, and it will eventually come around. So, okay, let me jump into a couple headlines that, you know, I've come across some things I've been thinking about. And uh, hopefully some of this resonates and helps someone out there that, you know, maybe has questions about the real estate market, that maybe doesn't follow it um, and doesn't think about it, you know pretty much every waking minute of their day, uh, like me, which I know is unhealthy, but anyways. Um, so, okay, Jerome Powell, um, the Fed chairman, he came out uh, last week on Thursday and said, okay, we're gonna keep rates the same, and uh, we might have one more rate hike coming up. After that, we're gonna hit pause, we're gonna let it do its thing, and we'll probably wait for potentially a year, you know, but they're gonna assess the market, the economy, see where things go, see if inflation comes down. Um, 
But when he announced that, I think that a lot of people in the mortgage industry were pretty bummed out as they have been for the last 18 months. Um, just because it's just, everyone was hoping, I think that at some point they would cut the rate and they'd start, you know, getting aggressive and coming down and the mortgage rates would come down with it. He just said, look, we're going to stay, um, which I think is the right thing to do. Um, I think that they probably didn't need to do the last three to four rate hikes, to be honest with you. I think they should have waited so that they don't have to aggressively cut the rate. You know, if everything goes to crap, um, I think it would have been wise to sit and, and watch, you know, for a little bit longer, but whatever they did it. And so, um, so what that means is that the interest rates are probably going to be right around that 7% rate where they're at right now. Uh, for at least the next six months, you know, and obviously there's so many caveats to what I'm telling you right now. Um, but I think that the odds would be, okay, it's probably going to be in the 7% range. And then I know the NAR, um, National Association of Realtors, um, you know, Zillow, I think a couple other, um, websites I was looking at, they project 2024 interest rates to be right around the 6.25%. And uh, some are, you know, a little bit less, a little bit more, but I think that to me sounds about right. And uh, I think that's going to be kind of the norm for a while. So it's going to take a while to adjust. Now, with that said, here is why I do not see a housing crash occurring. And I am not going to be in the camp of people that are hitting the panic button saying that the housing market's going to crash. Now, commercial, industrial, I do think that there's some uh, issues there uh, because those loans are not 30-year fixed products. Typically, commercial and industrial, they're on balloon payments, which just means that after three years, five years, 10 years, they readjust whatever their interest rates are today. So imagine buying a deal that you felt cash flowed really well, multifamily, $100 million project, and your interest rate was at 3%. Well, guess what? Now it's at 7.5 or 8%. Yeah, that, that can really hurt. Okay, so that actually can definitely cause some issues. And that's what everyone is freaking out about right now is there is there is an understanding that these rates will hit those people with those type of loans. Now, the greatest loan and who would have thought, you know, that this would be like the greatest shield of all time um, uh, uh, from, you know, keeping everyone going back into the 2008 foreclosure. Um, is a 30-year fixed loan, right? So again, go back to 2008. Why did that happen? Uh, it's because the financing was out of control. You had a pulse, you could get a loan. And so they were underwriting properties that no one had any business getting those loans. And they were exotic loan structures, meaning they had one, two, three different liens on it, right? So you'd have a second mortgage, a third mortgage to pay, you know, so you don't have to put any money down. Well, all of those had balloons, which were, let's say two, three years out. So again, when 2010, 11 hit and you bought a home 2008, guess what? You know, that's going to come due and all of a sudden people couldn't pay it. Um, and then of course, you know, everyone lost their job during that time. And so no one had the money to pay for it. So it was the perfect storm. Okay. Like it just worked out that way. They do not allow a lot of those loans um, moving forward. They did the Dodd-Frank uh, revisions. Everyone balked about it at the time, including myself. Um, but turns out it ended up being a pretty good deal because what it did was it forced uh, people that were 
underwriting loans to do it the right way and make sure people actually could qualify for these loans. And they put them in 30-year loan products that just really are, it's the greatest hedge ever, you know, against all of the inflate of the inflation that we're experiencing right now. Everything is going up except for your 30-year fixed mortgage at 3% or wherever you're at. So that's really important to understand. Um, and this is why I feel like there's not going to be this massive crash in the residential uh, real estate market anytime soon. Maybe there is, you know, again, commercial industrial. That is our greatest protector, though, is the 30-year fixed uh, product. Now, to go with that, another thing to understand, this, this is a crazy statistic, by the way, 45 to 50% of homeowners today own their home. They do not have a mortgage on it. That's a big number. Okay, take that other 50%. They all have mortgages that are less than 4%. 85% of, of those people have loans that are below 4%. Okay, so you have 15% left that do not have these incredible loans um, on their home right now. And so that's a pretty dang small number. Now, keep that in mind when you think about uh, in 2000, well, yeah, 2019, it was estimated that we were at a 4 million home shortage. So 2008 happened, builders stopped building for about five years. Uh, they didn't start picking up for a long time because they didn't want to get burned again. They just had PTSD from what occurred. So they stopped building. That caused this huge issue down the road, right? Uh, and so all of a sudden there's not enough homes. Um, and so we've got this, and, and it's only gotten worse, by the way, since, you know, 2019, there were about 2.2 million active listings on the market at that time. Now there's less than 1.3 million nationwide active listings. That is insane. It's, it's about a 40% drop. And so you look at the amount of inventory you look at the amount of people that are willing to sell. And the other thing to factor in that a lot of people don't think about is where do buyers come from? Well, guess what? Sellers become buyers, right? So you need people to actively list their home and sell their home because typically they're, you know, moving up or whatever. They have kids, they need a bigger home or they need to relocate or whatever. Well, we need them to list their home on the market and then you know, they end up going and buying one. Well, the issue, again, interest rates are below 4% for the majority of the people. So guess what? They don't want to sell their home. They are going to be just like us. They're going to do whatever they can to not sell their home today. They want to keep that and then do a long-term, short-term rental, whatever the case may be, and have that paid down by someone else, which is the smart thing to do, obviously. But... It just causes more of an issue, right? With we look at the inventory and it just gets worse and worse. And, and it's like this poison pill that the Fed did unintentionally. I, I don't think that they did this. They're not smart enough. Honestly, I think the government is incredibly incompetent and very, very slow uh, to react. And so I don't think that they had this grand idea that these doomsdayers think of. I, I truly just feel like just realize that they're incompetent and that will answer everything. It's not that they had this, um, that they foresaw any of this because I truly don't think that they did. Um, but 
to that point. They kept rates super low, you know, after COVID occurred, and they kept it way too low for way too long. Not a surprise. They're old and slow, always have been. The Fed is going to always be behind, right? That's It's just how they are. So because of that, um, there's just this poison pill when it came to giving everyone essentially free money, right? And so everyone's got these loans. And so they've caused a major issue right now with the housing market. And so when people ask, why is housing still up for the year? Why are home prices still going up after what just occurred? Which by the way, many of you may not know this, but we had the largest crash in demand in one year period in 2022 that was the largest crash in demand we've ever seen um not a lot of people talk about that but it was it was huge like it was massive obviously those in the real estate industry definitely felt it that you know uh relied on volume for you know their revenue um we felt it but you know that actually yeah i mean it was a rough rough 2022 and so and not only that did we have the the biggest crash in demand. Um, we also had the fastest rate hikes ever, you know, record, I think in like the last 50 years where it went, you know, essentially from zero to 5% or five and a quarter. So all of that combined and yet all that did, it just made the problem worse. Again, it's just supply and demand. So you look at it and you're like, okay, um, well, you know, it, Yes, interest rates are high, but the few people that do have to move and find a place to live, they only have a couple homes to choose from. And so bidding wars will still occur and you're still going to have issues with home pricing um, being inflated because you get multiple people bidding on a home and it drives up the price. And so um, so then I look towards next year. OK, let's just say that uh, the interest rates, let's all hope go down from seven to seven and a half percent down to six, six and a half percent. Let's say it goes down a full point. What that does is it unlocks, um, according to BlackRock, it unlocks about 5 million new buyers. So does that solve the problem uh, by adding way more buyers? Absolutely not. You know, I mean, I'm sure that some of those people, um, Again, sellers or buyers, I'm sure that that's going to cause more people to be willing to sell their home once they wrap their head around the fact they'll never see those interest rates of three to 4% again. And this is the new norm. I'm sure, that's going to happen. Some people are forced to have to do it. Um, but again, I, I just, you, you look at the numbers and it's, I don't see it, guys. Like, I don't understand uh, these doomsdayers that think that there's going to be this massive market correction and that you know, home prices are going to come way down and people are, you know, gearing up to buy these homes. I'm like, that's great. Um, but where are the homes going to come from? Where, where is the shadow inventory that everyone's been talking about on YouTube for the last 10 years or whatever it's been, you know, um, if you don't know what shadow inventory is, you should look it up. It's pretty funny. They've, there's so many predictions that these people on YouTube that, you know, get clicks have predicted forever. And I get these calls all the time, like what I think is going to happen with the market. I just have to laugh because it's just, it's tired at this point. They've been so wrong. It's, it's embarrassing at this point. And so it's not even worth addressing, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, um, yeah, there clearly there are people out there that just almost want 
the the market to to crash you know um for whatever reason but anyways getting off topic so um yeah those are all of the the thoughts oh and the last thing um is i think that i don't know if i I mentioned this but we were down um yeah we were down about four million when, when they ran the numbers um, there was a shortage of roughly 4 million homes when they did this survey in 2019. Um, and so COVID happened, hit pause again, and then they restarted 2021 is when builders started building again. They got, you know, aggressive and realized, Hey, everything's selling like crazy. And so stock prices went up for, for new construction companies. Um, but it's interesting in November of 2022, we started to see a shift and that was with the home builders. All of a sudden they went from being pessimistic to once again, being optimistic. And again, I think that they realized the same thing that I did where it's just, look, there's barely any inventory. No one is going to give up their homes with those incredible mortgage interest rates if they can help it. Um, and so guess what? The only game in town right now is going to be the new construction. And so there's a reason why right now um, a large percentage of sales right now are new construction, which is rare. Usually it's less than like 5% of, of home sales each year are new construction. And I think right now it's like 15, 20%. Um, so again, they're just seeing the same thing that all of us are, are seeing. They're also very good at selling their product. So they understand they can do rate buy downs. They can do things to get people, you know, to buy these homes quickly. And so, um, if you're interested in the stock market, I would probably tell you that that there's a good likelihood that there's potential there. Um, I'm not going to give you advice, but I would look into that and just see if, if the, yeah, that's something worth looking into just because again, it, I don't think any of this is difficult, um, to really understand. It's just take a minute to understand the numbers. And then once, once you do, once you kind of look at the bigger picture, then you can formulate, okay, what should I do next? And so this all comes down to why we were so passionate about moving out to Tennessee in this specific market where I feel like, you know, there's affordable housing, um, there's plenty of people moving to the Southeast um, every single year. There is massive opportunity for equity growth and there are, you know, there's affordable housing, right? So there's all of the things that, that you look for as a real estate investor, I feel like are here in Tennessee, which is a big reason why we're out here. And, you know, we started up a turnkey property management company because I know a lot of people want to get into real estate investing, but they don't know how to, you know, find the property. They don't know how to renovate it. They don't know what areas to buy in. They don't know how to manage a property, how to find tenants, all of those things. Um, I get it. Like it took 15 years of going through it over and over and over thousands of times, you know, to kind of really hone in and figure it out. Right. Just like anything. Um, and, and so a big reason why we came out here was for that reason. And so going back to the dollar cost averaging, um, idea, I really do think that that is the solution. If you're trying to time the market, you're, you're listening to the wrong person. I, I'm not going to give you advice on that. Um, but if you're looking for just a way to consistently overcome, you know, the market, whether it's up, down, sideways, it doesn't matter. Just be consistent with investing in quality properties, quality neighborhoods, 
um, and making sure that they're managed correctly. If you do those things, you know, you're going to be just fine. And then, oh, by the way, taxes, obviously, end of the year. Um, if you want to save a ton of money on your taxes, just make sure to buy real estate, um, you know, rental properties right now you can do. Um, I think that there's another three. Well, let's see. Um, yeah, I think that it ends in, in the next two to three years uh, where there's accelerated depreciation. Uh, so um, if anyone's interested in learning more about that and how you can, you know, find ways to accelerate the depreciation or to save a lot of money on your taxes, happy to answer those questions for you. Um, but anyways, I just wanted to share really that was, those are all the thoughts that have been going on in my head, you know, for the, for the past several months. And I've been meaning to jump on a podcast and just talk about, you know, some of the things that are going on, some of the things that I'm seeing. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is what um, I believe is going to occur with the real estate market and and just kind of get all those thoughts out there. So um, I'm hoping that maybe this helped, you know, some of you out there that listen. Um, and, you know, as always, if I can help answer any questions, I'm I'm. Uh, this is what I love to do. This is what I love to talk about. So um, I really could talk about this all day. And uh, it, it, this is why I enjoy having the podcast as well. So I can get some of these thoughts out of my head and uh, out out to y'all. So um, hope everyone is enjoying their fall. This is going to be the first time we get to experience a true fall in since we've been married. And so I'm excited to see the, the leaves change and the temperature drop and... Uh, all of those fun things. We're excited to go to the Smoky Mountains and enjoy um, the nature, right? Like I, I just feel like for so long, we just lived out in the desert and there's just a bunch of dirt and cactuses and, and scorpions. So um, it's been fun to uh, to get out every single week and, and uh, go on these amazing hikes. And anyways, there's a lot, a lot to love out here. Um, all right, that's all I got for this week. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Thank you for making us a part of your day. I hope you feel more inspired to push through your short-term failures as you work on becoming a true powerhouse. If you enjoyed listening to the show and feel others would benefit from listening as well, please take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show and make sure to share the link with others. See you next week.